Alright, alright, alright. Welcome to another episode of Robot Routine. You got Leon, aka Shabazz. And you got B. So today we're gonna to talk about work and the many forms that takes uh I don't know, uh takes the world in, so to speak. So let's let's say, you know, some people don't call their job work, so to speak. They call it a career. I'm not in that I'm I'm not in that uh, particular mold, so to speak. My job is definitely work for me because it takes me every ounce of strength for me to get up every morning and go to it. How about you, man? I'm in the same boat. It's a job, it's not a career. Um, it takes a lot of effort to get my mind right and even wanting to do the work. Um, I want to take a step back in terms of this is called robot routine. What's your routine um, in terms of like prepping for work? Are you drinking coffee before work? You hitting the gym before work? Or do you even do, you do that during the day? Like how do you, what's your, what's your schedule, your routine around work? Man, I say this. So the way I wake up is I wake up at the last second I possibly can. So a half hour before I got to hit the door. And I'm going to hit. I'm going to be in the bathroom for about twenty of them. Uh, twenty of them, thirty minutes. Hopefully, I'm able to get some coffee in between there. But then that thirty minutes that I thought was going to be it for me turns into forty-five because I'm definitely getting a cup of coffee before I leave. And I am so, I guess, perturbed about work that no joke, the only thing I do at work, or I do not consume any food at work. I I eat once. Once a day, once I get get home from uh, work, type deal. Like, no joke, water, coffee. That's it. One cup of coffee, water at work. For me, breaking bread with people, you do that with people you trust. And I don't trust nobody I work with. Um, so, oddly enough, it just seems like I'm on some kind of fasting diet. For them, anyway. And that's the way I spin it. But it's more about trust. Like, I don't really trust trust myself to be around these folks you know what I mean uh how about you man you know you know you actually working remote so the only person to drive you crazy is these four white walls <laughs> that is true some people's uh dream is to work from home um I'm not built that way uh I think hybrid would work better for me uh some days in the office some days at home um my routine, normally I try to do something physical before work. So n more likely than not, that's yoga. Um, if I'm not able to do that before work, um, I try to break up the middle of the day by, again, trying to do yoga, go for like a long walk, or even hit the gym. Try to do something physical um, to break up the work day or to start the work day. Um, I also do one cup of coffee a day sometimes. Um, and I actually try to do coffee in the early to mid-afternoon. I drink mostly tea and water throughout the day. I don't have your problems about breaking bread with people I don't trust because this is me by myself. But, I mean, you know, I do have trust issues, so you know, maybe that's interesting as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would kind of be weird seeing you in here, you know, you breaking bread. You actually not breaking bread. Looking in the mirror like, I don't trust you, motherfucker. Hey. I mean, It'd be that, like that. What though. was that Mike Jackson song? Somebody watching me. You know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's the mirror. Yeah, yeah. The man in the mirror is the thing. The man in the mirror is the thing, man. So, 
why we want to talk about work is because most of our time is spent at work. You know what I mean? For those of us, I'm going to say, because we live in a different time now, for sure. For those of us that are privileged to have a job and work, because not everybody has that has that luxury because a lot of people lost a ton of jobs, given the times that we're in. Or we're in a process before COVID and COVID kind of just tipped it over and uh, expedited the process of them losing a job. You know, I definitely went through uh, a plant closure from my previous job because of COVID. I was in the aviation business. And uh, of course, that's the first thing that was affected by COVID because you can't fly because we don't know how COVID spreading. But we still theorizing. No one really still has it locked down to how it ultimately spreads. I know, you know, that's probably not going to be a uh, a great thing to say, but only the reason why I can say we theorize is because it changes every single day on what we think about COVID, what we feel about COVID. What we, should we do? Should we vaccinate kids? Should we vaccinate our dogs? Should we vaccinate our cats? Damn it. Is the drywall sick? Yeah. Also, for all those people who are in the Philly area like us, they just dropped the mask mandate. So, yay to that, I guess, for those who have been, you know, having cabin fever and wanting to, you know, not wear a mask. Yeah. But, um, what, so, why would you say your job is work and not a career for you? Well, for me personally, um, I'm not passionate about what I'm doing. I don't, it's not, I'm not really aligned with it. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I'm making a difference. Um, you, you let people who I report to, they'll spin it in terms of, you know, what I do is, you know, very sensitive and, and helps out a lot. Um, but I can only speak for myself. You know, I, you know, I am a black male, a brown male, um, I don't feel like anything I do with my work affects us or helps us. Um, but that's just me. You know, not everyone is built that way. Some people are just cool, just whatever, right? Um, doing doing something and not having a, a larger impact with what they do. Um, I think for me, it's at a tipping point now where I realize the ne- the next move has to be something that has impact behind it. What do you think was the catalyst for that? for you wanting to feel something instead of just feeling a check on Friday, so to speak? I think I always knew. I just never knew. I think I, I think I always, like, understood that, like, I needed to do something that had a larger reach or impact. I just don't think I knew how or where. Um, so, you know, I've been in an industry now for going on six years. It was... Uh, an opportunity. Someone just kind of like threw the ball at me, so to speak. I wasn't looking for it. Um, so in many ways, I'm, I'm thankful and it's a blessing. Um, but in terms of like when it severely clicked, um, I always like, again, I always had like this undercurrent of knowing, but I would say the last two jobs. So the one I'm currently at and the one that I was uh, at about four to five months ago, um, you know, more distinguishment in terms of title and responsibility, uh, better better pay in, in, in both jobs and just feeling empty just like okay that's fine like let me do what's necessary for 
you know, what I'm obligated to do. So, so I mean, 35 to 40 hours, depending on which employer. Um, then, yeah, we have a lot of hours in the week. I forget what exactly the, the, the exact number is. Um, but, I mean, 40 hours of that, I feel like it's just wasted away doing something that I'm not interested in at all. And it takes me many hours outside of work just to get myself right from work or to prepare for work. Yeah, to go right back in, man. It's like it's a never-ending cycle. Yeah, so in part, the reason why our podcast is named Robot Routine because work plays a, a huge factor in that robotic routine. Just that routine of life where you are so used to going through the steps that you're no longer even conscious about what's going on around you. So you miss the beauty in the day-to-day. That routine of getting up in the morning, giving that first sigh out, hitting the shower, brushing your teeth, washing your face, having a little bite to eat, maybe some coffee. You know, if you're real fancy, you might have a little cappuccino. I ain't got one of them machines. You know, I'm not that that rich and decadent yet. You know? Not yet, not yet. You know, if, they, if I see why not on the trash, though, I might have to take that. So if you know any coffee shops going out of business, definitely let me know. I can't pay for it, but I can lift it to where I need to. <laughs> but yeah, um, for me, when it comes to work and my mindset about work is, is like, look, I'm going to give y'all the bare minimum. And that's that's that proves to me that I'm definitely not doing what I want, like what I feel like I'm passionate about. I know exactly what lane I'm in. Like for me, I love sneakers and everything that comes with that, like sneakers street culture, fashion, all that, man. Like, I guess me kind of, I guess, I don't even know if they still call them that, but I guess I would probably be like an original hype beast. I don't call myself a sneakerhead because I'm more about the thrill of the hunt for sneakers and the difficulty of finding them than I am about really like a a true blue collection. So yes, I resold sneakers and I still continue to resell sneakers. And that's kind of where I find the joy in, I guess, working, so to speak, because it affords me the ability to get these sneakers and put research in and really just wrap my head around possibly expanding my business into something else. Um, but uh, work for me, the reason why I say I give the bare minimum is because I feel like jobs are programmed to give you the bare minimum. So you want the most from us, but you ultimately want to negotiate how much we should or shouldn't be paid. There's no reason why anybody that has a job in America should be below the poverty line to me. But we still have those jobs where we got people that in order to make it, you literally have to work two and three of those jobs. I'm not in that case. And. Being in uh, in safety has afforded me a certain luxury, so to speak. But it's weird to me when I'm interviewing and they're asking me what, like, what do I want to be paid? So you asking me, what am I worth? What am I worth to you? How about you give me a figure and I'll let you know if that's right. But the thing is, is that that already starts off the footing on a they're on the like they're on higher footing to you because they're asking you that what you're worth and you have to really sit back and evaluate like 
how much should I make? Like, I, I think that's the craziest question ever. When it should be like, look, this is what we're paying. This is what we're, this is what we're, this is your offer. I think, why do we have to sit back and worry about what we should be valued at instead of it being, instead of the company thinking about like, what's the bare minimum that this person believes they're worth? And what can we potentially not pay them in order to get them to do more? Um, for me, I literally just ran into a situation where I got a, I was about to leave my job. They matched the offer. I decided to stay. So from that, you know, of course, me being me and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a programmed out guy. I'm asking questions about, so what's what the responsibilities are going to look like before I say, yes, I'll stay. Of course, they give you the whole rigmarole about like, oh, no, nothing's going to change. Trust me. Things changed. Now I have to be the front guy. Why can't I just be the background guy getting getting things done? It's no, there's no shortage of me being assigned things and getting them done. But now I have to be the face. Um, and the other things around that is because, and this is like taking it on a deeper level about brown people at work. I understand and me and the VP of safety talked about it. He understands that there's a certain level of color that has to be involved in safety. So my boss is at the point where he can retire any hour, not any day now, any hour though, he chooses to. And him being the other brown face, if I choose to quit, the next person they probably bring in there will be will be white. And the crazier part is that we have a team of what? Eight individuals. Um, it's not even eight, actually. It's more. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna say eight. I was about to be. I was about to leave, leaving Edwin to be the only brown face, which he was the only brown face for quite some time. He's been there seven years, and in so many words, have uh, expressed to me about the way he's been viewed and how, you know, going to Allentown and Hazleton sometimes, more or less Hazleton, PA, uh, and seeing Trump signs and having to deal with that awkward and very uncomfortable feeling that, you know, people aren't comfortable with. The fact that you're black. But at the same time, you need this person to be black because the people that you're asking to do jobs safely are black and Latinx. With, of course, you, you do have a couple of Caucasians in the various races and race and religious backgrounds they come from, but it's very few and far between. How much of that is just ridiculous and it's still like very enrooted in the way that We've seen slavery takes take place when it comes to, you know, you got people, you know, black people working the field, which that hasn't changed too much. Side note, you know, uh, we do take a lot of Mexicans down that are illegal and 
work fields. And it's no different. You still got your white slave master out there barking out orders. And with how, how much of this has changed? Now they just pay you. Why can't we just be the most qualified people for the job? And I'm saying that from the perspective of anyone. I'm not saying they have to be brown. I'm not saying they have to be white. I'm not saying they have to be Asian or Latinx. I'm just saying, like, why can't we get from away from our biases as people, especially in the workforce, and give people a leg up, so to speak, and show and inspire other people. I don't think people understand, especially from the white lens, that giving a black person or a minority a position of power does more in empowering and making people work more and giving them a, a feeling of they can go into a different lane that they didn't see before. You know what I mean? It's, it's a way to shatter that glass ceiling, so to speak. And I know I'm kind of on a tangent about work, but this is all the stuff that I think about while I'm sitting at my cubicle surrounded by no one that looks like me. So when I say I don't break bread with them, it's because a lot of people can't understand that. The reason why I'm not, I choose not to be in office is because no one looks like me. I'm constantly surrounded by a group of people that don't represent who I am and they don't understand that it's very uncomfortable for me to be at work and I'm on a floor of, let's say, 50 people and I'm one of three black people, one of which is actually my boss. And the other person was hired around the same time as me. Or having awkward conversations around, oh, Leon, you look athletic. What's that supposed to mean? These are all the things that I deal with make me feel like I can't break bread with people because there's some kind, there is definitely some kind of underlying thing there that people don't, I, I would hope in 2022, people have ran into people of color, but of course we still have those people that just don't know what to say and then don't know how to shut up either. Because one thing for sure, two things for certain. If you say nothing, they'll never know how dumb you may really be. You can be the greatest philosopher if you just choose to shut your mouth. Is what I think a lot of times when I run into these situations of what's supposed to be co uh, covert racism, but it's definitely not. Well, I mean, I, I kind of talked myself black and blue on that one. But uh, what's been what's been your history as far as working in offices? And, like, how do you feel about that? Like, does it make you... Is there, like, an underlying awkwardness because you realize... I'm a minority out on the street, right? But at the same time, there's so much, like, it's so amplified in the workplace because it's such a small group. It's such a microcosm, so to speak. 
And there's nothing to distract you away from that, at least for me. All right, all right. well, you spoke about a lot of different things. I mean, you're talking about you're one of very few black people at your job. Luckily for you, you report to someone who's also black. It seems like they're trying to make you the front guy now, which I guess is a double-edged sword because if you're the front guy, you're also the fall guy. But to your point, you're talking about breaking glass ceilings. If you're put as the front guy, you have the spotlight on you, which can make or break you. So technically, this is an opportunity to shatter some ceilings if you want to look at it that way. Um, or you can look at it from a different lens in terms of, you know, you're, you're their scapegoat. You could cut either way. Um, it's unfortunate, but there's still the opportunity to continue to grow being the front man. Um, you also talked about just a lot of people not looking like you, so just feeling very uncomfortable. It sounds like a lot of the work dynamic and conversation is low-key racial, okay? Um, I mean, we look at the levers of power here in America. Most wealth is with white men. Right. Most industries are run by white men. Right. And so, by no means am I uncomfortable talking about race. The issue is, is for me, is, is that let's be productive about race. If you choose to talk about race, let's really talk about it. With open ears and open mind. I do. I, I just wanted to say that. You also talked about wage. So, I mean, I saw where you were going in terms of just we're living in a different realm of slavery. Yeah, no one's getting beat. No one's getting, you know, separated from families, hopefully. Um, but you're getting very low wages compared to what the companies make. Um, and I do see there's a dichotomy. Them kind of benchmarking what they'll pay you which could be lousy it could be embarrassing they'll, they'll pay you know so low for a job that requires so much at the flip side if they open it up to you and ask you what you think you're worth how much do you want that's also a slippery slope because you could cut yourself short or if you ask for too much they're going to look at you with like, nah, we can't do this. Um, they'll always have the upper hand just because they're the ones that are employing you and not the other way around. What would help is if there was um, laws for transparency. There's a few states that, now have enacted that. that are starting to enact that, which yeah. can help because then it's just like, okay, cool. You work at a steel mill, you even work at McDonald's or a mom and pop restaurant. It's like, all right, cool. Y'all saying you're only paying X. But with transparency, we know your competitors paying Y. So why, you know, maybe I'll say Z instead. So why not, you know, we negotiate the rates knowing that, hey, there's other competitors within this industry that are paying more, and yet you want me to take on this role as yours. Um, how I feel about what's going on in my circumstance in the workforce, um, where I am now is a little different because this job I'm at now I started remote and I'm still remote. Um, so I really never really got a taste of the culture in office. Um, the best in terms of culture that I've experienced is simply just like, you know, these giant Zoom calls where you have everyone on the line. Some people are humorous. Um, 
seems like most people are very polite. Um, so I can't really speak about race relations so much because I'm just so far removed at this point. Just the simple fact that like I'm not in the office. I literally am not under my manager where I would hear him say something or not say something if, if, if you know, um, it was inappropriate. I will say in prior work environments, I've almost always been one of a few people of color, period. So Asian, black, Latinx, you name it. Um, I think it's always uncomfortable because, again, most of these institutions are run by white people and mostly employed by white people. So anything that's happening in the world that does not affect white people, they don't care or if they don't care. And if, maybe they do care. Maybe they're empathetic, but it doesn't affect them. So a great example is like George Floyd and quote unquote, what some people say the racial you know, reckoning of 2020. Like as a white person, you know, and I'm halfway as a white person, like they just didn't get it. Like, yeah, it just looks like violence on TV, but it doesn't af- affect them. So, I mean, these things happen in life. And I think with work, people try to ha- confine you. In the 40 hours, 35 hours that you're supposed to be at work, we don't talk about anything else. All life is in these 40 hours is work. Don't care if you got a sick child. Don't care if you're black or brown. Don't care if you're queer. Don't care about any of that. Um, but when you look at that, it's because most of the dynamics were set up by white men. What do white men care about? White men. Right. So anything that's outside of that doesn't fit and, you know, quote unquote, shouldn't be, you know, talked about in the workforce. I'm hoping that we are stepping away from that with seeing people of color in management or in directorial roles or even ownership of some roles. Because the fact is, like, this is not a white man's world. Um, so, you know, it's a very colorful world, so to speak, very made up of very, various different people. Very. Don't have religion in it because it just gets more colorful. Well, I mean, we live in a pluralistic society. There's a lot of, uh, you know, complexity and that's, and it's beautiful. Um, right. I would say that's one stress I don't deal with right now. Um, working fully remote. And not having really a, a taste of the office culture, and only really inter, inter, you know, interfacing with someone when I need to, in terms of like I need to have this meeting with somebody because we're trying to get this thing done for this project. There's no time to talk about what's going on in, in outside of work. Um, so I think this is probably maybe the only time or one of the few times I've never really had that. Uh, racial undertone because I've definitely been in a lot of settings where you know people feel comfortable joking about uh, you know biases prejudices um, you know all all the different idioms for you know black people or Mexican people or or what have you um, in terms of the stereotypes Um, and then having to be quiet because it's just like if you speak up it, it's, it's gotten me in trouble in many places in the past. So I can at least say right here, right now, at present day, for the last five months or so, I have not had to carry that with me. Thankful for that. Um, but that still doesn't change the fact that I'm still orienting myself, um, having a routine around a job. I 
don't really have too much satisfaction with and takes probably just about just as many hours outside of work to either decompress or prep for work. So even though it's a 35 to 40 hour, you know, relationship on contract, I'm probably giving 60 plus hours because of the time outside of work, just trying to just trying to get to neutral ground. Yeah, I think that's something that I could actually I, I, I grew to appreciate around the pandemic because before it was something that we just didn't we just didn't pay as much attention to far as work life balance and understanding that no matter how many hours you work, there are countless hours outside of work where you're mentally preparing for work. So to your point, instead of them getting 40 hours out of you, you're mentally locked into work for probably around 60. And those are 20 hours you're not getting paid. And I'm going to tell you this, if nothing else I learned, it's about the money. It's definitely about the money. And I don't know how many of y'all can take 20 hours on a chin, but I'm not one of them. And I think we can end this episode of the podcast with both of us knowing that the next move is to find something that's not a job or something that is shaping up to be a career. Right. My advice for everybody out there, find out what you what you love to do and figure out a way to turn that into a, your career. And also, no matter what situation you're in, you can always push your company for you to grow. It doesn't mean that just because you're flipping burgers today that you can't necessarily sit back and and talk to your manager or something like that or work on your manager, so to speak, to get them to invest in you. Let's say going back to school. And it doesn't have to be going back to school to, you know, for a degree. You go get a certification. Now you want to you want to learn about fire prevention. You know what I mean? Those are all things that companies are trying to be more conscious about because of the fact that there's money in saving lives and having programs to save lives so they get write-offs for these things so if nothing else always think about that i don't have to necessarily choose a straight line path of and this is me just going about it poorly but going from burgers i mean going from fries to burgers to assistant manager or whatever it may be choose your own path in life and love the journey because it's going to be rough and sometimes it's going to be good thanks for tuning in this has been another episode of robot routine you got leon aka shabazz you got b peace peace